guys. Welcome to Enviro Mental. I'm Mary. I'm Emma. And I'm Emily. We're college students who love learning about our Earth and we're eager to share our journey. Environmental is a radio show committed to blowing your mind with all things environmental. We'll explore topics such as climate change, pollution, and sustainability. Join us for a 3 a.m. existential crisis broadcasted at 3 p.m. for your convenience. Should probably have it memorized by now, but I don't. <laughs> I, I still, know. I still I don't have it memorized yet. We all just talked about saying environmental together, and I didn't say it. <laughs> I don't think I said I it. Got, I got in it. Okay. So, okay. oh, we were talking about positive feedback loops in class today, and it made me <gasps> think about you guys. Just <laughs> I wanted to scream positive <laughs> feedback loop, but I thought that would be inappropriate in yeah. class, so eh. I didn't. <laughs> I'm sure they would appreciate the enthusiasm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I did say incoming shortwave solar radiation, though. Yes. So really <laughs> and, like, half the class was like, we know, we know. Mark, They've all here. been through that same experience. Okay, so today's topic is extinction. extinction. <laughs> Not Mary's the one that didn't say. We didn't um, plan it, plan it though. So. Sorry, guys. I was <laughs> mentally somewhere else. Extinction. Thank you. Okay. So we've talked about this before, but um, I had no voice. We recorded it on my laptop, and it was just, you know. Oh, was that the one we did in that room? Yeah. Yeah. So we're here, um, redefined, and everyone's vocal cords are intact. Okay. So I'm going to start off with um, basically telling the history about extinction and what it means and what's going on. So just kind of to start off, it, um, humans have, you know, like we've talked about climate change. So <laughs> humans have not only been have not only been altering the chemical composition of Earth's atmosphere through burning fossil fuels, which of course contribute to climate change, but the force of humans have altered millions of acres of land and habitat, which have led to the extinction of thousands of species. Um, so uh, one of the buzzwords is kind of the big five mass extinction. So like there's going to be we are basically going to be the sixth extinction. And that idea comes from maybe it doesn't come from. But one of the books that touches on that idea is. The Sixth Extinction and a Natural History by Elizabeth Colbert. Um, so in her book, she addresses um, the growing evidence that humans are going to be the cause of the next mass extinction event. And on Cosmos.com, Earth has witnessed... That's from Cosmos? That's yeah. the reference? That's not super legitimate. <laughs> not, the, not the month the magazine. Okay. Not Cosmopolitan. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? <laughs> no, no, no. What are you talking about? There's scientific as heck (laughs) so basically earth has witnessed five um mass extinction events and so mass extinction is when more than 75 percent of species disappear um so this is basically referenced when paleontologists spot them when species go missing from the global fossil record um so there's a quote from a melbourne museum paleontologist Rolf Schmidt, where he says, we don't always know what caused them, but most had something to do with rapid climate change. Um, So I'm just going to reference the 
the past five ones, which are called the big five. So the first one was when um, 85% of all species, including marine invertebrates, um, went extinct. The late Ordovician. <laughs> 44. <laughs> I'm going to make it bigger for you. Thank you. 440 nope. <laughs> million years ago. So pretty, pretty uh, long time ago. And then the second mass extinction was when 75% of all species were eliminated. And that was the late Devonian. 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 That was 374 million years ago. The third mass extinction was the largest. 95% of all species, including marine life, were wiped off the face of the earth. That's crazy. The Permian, that was 250 million years ago. Oh, that included the trilobites. Trilobites are cool. Yeah, that's like a very distinct... um, distinctly shown in the fossil records because you can see like cool all these layers where there's trilobites and then boom no more trilobites the fourth was um 80 percent of all species the jurassic that was 200 million years ago those poor paddle finned paleosaurs um and all those poor frog salamanders, all the dinosaurs, turtles, you know, <laughs> most of the dinosaurs except for birds, except for the ones that you fry up and eat the wings and legs. <laughs> Someone's hungry. <laughs> um, and then finally, the fifth mass extinction was when seventy-six percent of all species, including the non-avian dinosaurs um, and flying reptiles, were. <laughs> were extinct and that was during the Cretaceous which was 145 million years ago so basically all these events a large percentage of the 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 population was extinct so what is alarming about this most recent extinction event is because it's not some like otherworldly entity it's from us (laughs) it's from humans um so i'm gonna try to explain the other ones from otherworldly entities (laughs) some of them from a by oh yeah Uh, like like yours the the giant asteroid yeah okay that's your definition of (laughs) otherworldly literally (laughs) did you hear did you guys hear about how that there's a radio frequency that's coming (gasps) aliens yes yes You heard it here, folks. (laughs) You heard it here. Second. (laughs) There's a transmitted radio signal that's Mm -hmm. been consistent. Oh, my gosh. I'm looking it up right now. And the show is canceled. We need to contact the aliens. And people, it's it's obviously aliens. So, anyways. That's awesome. So. Mary will look it up maybe and give us some more. So how do, we, how do we know that this sixth extinction is human-caused? Well, first, the definition of extinction caused by a climate event compared to extinction from human settlement. So Alfred Russell Wallace, an all-overologist is, who is known <laughs> for independently conceiving the theory of evolution through natural selection, published alongside Charles Darwin. Oh, that's where I recognize his name from. Um, yeah. 
he is convinced the sudden extinction of megafauna was no coincidence. So, basically, what's happening is they... He's arguing that even at the beginning of humankind, we have been causing extinction. Like, just our pure existence... Like, minimal extinctions. Yes. Yeah. Our pure ex- if pure existence is, like, eliminating species. Oh, yeah. So, he is convinced that the sudden extinction of megafauna, which is, you know, mammoths and other large animals. Giant sloths. Yes. Was no coincidence. He said that there must have been some physical cause for this great change, just how the dinosaurs were lost to an asteroid. In his last book, the world of life he stated that the rapid rate of extinction of so many large mammalia is actually due to man's agency if climate drove the megafauna to extinction first the landscape would have changed then the animals dependent on the original vegetation would have disappeared but the opposite happened so the only explanation of what happened that fits the data was us so within a thousand years after man arrived these large mammals were gone and if wallace was correct and people were to blame, it would mean that the current extinction event that we're talking about right now began all the way back to the middle of the last ice age, which means we have been killing, overkilling, since the dawn of time. Dawn of our time. Yes. Dawn of, dawn of But time's an humankind. illusion anyway, so is there ever, like, a dawn of time? <laughs> 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 um, so... Second, the waves of extinction match the wave of human settlement. So, the extinction of the megafauna occurred in waves. So, 40,000 years ago, Australia giants disappeared. Then, 25,000 years later, North America and South America lost their megafauna. In Madagascar, giant lemurs and elephant birds survived all the way to the Middle Ages. What? And Elephant birds? Elephant birds. Flying elephants? I don't know. Dumbo? (laughs) He's real. <laughs> um, oh. They look like giant emus, mm-hmm. like giant ostriches. Oh. They're like twice as tall as humans were. And the same goes for New Zealand's moas. So a moa is another word for like a, one of those emus. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Chunky. <laughs> look at the left. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a really chunky ostrich. Oh yeah. <laughs> He'd never skip leg day. <laughs> no, he doesn't. Um, so, and then New Zealand's moas giant which are the giant birds made it as far as the renaissance before going extinct as well so it's hard to see how one climate change event could impact these waves whereas the sequence of these waves and the sequence of human settlement line up almost exactly moving from australia 50,000 years ago to the americas and a thousand thousands of years later to madagascar new zealand so they're basically arguing how we can't blame one event like an asteroid on the mm-hmm. dinosaurs like because it happened in such, like, waves, like like he said. So it would be like, we we moved in, and the the megafauna moved, moved out. out. Yeah. Permanently. <laughs> so third, um, humans consume faster than megafauna can reproduce. But how could a small band of technologically primitive people wipe out so many large strong animals well the reproductive rate of megafauna is longer than it takes for humans to kill them there is no limit to what we can consume 
So even a very small initial population of humans, which could be only 100 or so, could, over the course of a millennium or two, multiply sufficiently to account for pretty much all of the extinctions on record. So like picking off a woolly mammoth or a giant sloth every so now every so often for several centuries could be enough to drive the population to zero. So I thought that was really interesting because they have such a, they're humongous animals. It takes them so long to reproduce. So if your, your cave needs some, some warmth, you go out and kill a, a bird that didn't skip lake day. And (laughs) before you know it, they're gone. So finally, the last reason why this, why we believe that the sixth extinction is caused from us is because this phenomenon um, was quoted perfectly by John Alroy, who is a paleobiologist. He said, the megafauna extinction was, quote, geologically instantaneous ecological catastrophe too gradual to be perceived by the people who unleashed it. So the cavemen wouldn't have noticed really what was happening because it was going too slow. It happened over hundreds of years. and um, So today, the current rate of extinction is accelerating, and we are evolved enough to understand that this consequence is from our existence. So... Just to recap. You're just dissing on cavemen? (laughs) (laughs) They're dumb. Not involved enough? So, animals disappearing before the landscape changed, the waves of their extinction matching our record of human settlement, and humans being able to consume everything in their sight correlate megafauna extinction directly to us. Humans are the cause of past mass extinctions, and we are continuing to prove this legacy to this day. Again, from the book The Sixth Extinction by Elizabeth Colbert, she put this phenomenon simply. Though it might be nice to imagine there once was a time when man lived in harmony with nature, it's not clear that he ever really did. Bam. <laughs> dang. So, <laughs> we all... Just <laughs> dang. Dang it. Beep. <laughs> so... so As we've talked about before, we are now in the Anthropocene, which means a a geological epoch where humans have altered the state of the Earth so much where it's just a new geological time. making a mark on the geologic record. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (sighs) Anthropocene. Yes. So, just to reiterate... The current rate of extinction is accelerating due to climate change from human activities, and we are evolved enough to know that this is a quant- consequence is from our existence. And since we are now in the Anthropocene, it's like there's no going back. And since we have just altered the Earth so much by increasing carbon dioxide levels, which includes, includes increases global surface temperatures, climate change is not something that is going to loom in the future. The, climate, the effects of climate change are happening now. Climate change is happening now. It's happening to you and to me and to the animals. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, I w- Emma, I have a good transition to you okay. with, for you. But it's not just 
climate change, right? That's not, like you were saying earlier, it's mm-hmm. not one single event. It's multiple events. So there's climate change. But then, like, what other things are happening that's causing mass death of multiple <laughs> a billion species? <laughs> uh, yeah, Emma. Well, it's actually also land use change and altering <gasps> habitats. So a large cause of this extinction is from land use change or humans altering, destroying, or fragmenting habitats. Mm. On um, From research by Avasar and coworkers at Duke University, NASA reports that scientists estimate that between one-third and one-half of our planet's land surfaces have been transformed by human development. And oh, <sighs> if you know... Like, I do, that the Earth is on limited and finite resources. The fact that we have used up half of our land space (laughs) already is kind of (laughs) scary. It's scary. It's not funny. It's scary. We're laughing. We laugh when things are terrible, (laughs) usually, so... Um, destruction and degradation of natural ecosystems are the primary causes of declines in global biodiversity, and climate change only amplifies that. Mm. Forests that are torn down for human agriculture, since humans developed agriculture, especially is when we have been massively altering our landscape. We, when we used to be hunter-gatherers, but then when we decided to quit our nomadic life and settle at home with our wife and kids and <laughs> change, change the land into agriculture, that's when we, like, drastically were, mm. are changing the land. And the problem is, especially with, like, all the new houses popping up and all the little um, chunks of land being converted, is that this destruction or alteration leads to fragmentation where the initial habitat gets separated into smaller sections of habitat. So the problem with this is that it's the fragments are now smaller, so it's not the original big size habitat, and they're also isolated. So, oh. um, and then they're separated by human land cover, um, human transformed land cover. So it makes it difficult or even impossible for species to interact with, with each other. And... Um, some places have been implementing land bridges where they connect you know, one forest and then connect a land bridge over a road into another forest to allow for like elk and other species to pass through. Um, but that's just like one example, and they're only kind of just realizing that they need to make land bridges and um, connecting, having habitats that are connected are really important um, because. Um, it kind of makes uh, island ecosystems in a sense. Um, if you, we are learning a lot about it in ecology, but um, island ecosystems have a totally different dynamic than um, just normal ecosystems that are connected to everything else. Because um, much like an island or this isolated habitat fragment, um, species you know can't travel to it. But then that means that the species that are in that fragment, like that's all that they have. Mm. They have those species and and it's not even just the species it's the genes so they have the genes that they have and um adapting and getting new genes is really important for species survival so if habitats are connected then a new gene can come into the section into the section and um 
reproduce and pass that gene along, and maybe that gene is something for a disease resistance um, or an advantageous like fitness or something like that that'll help that species develop. But if they can't gain those genes, then they're just kind of stuck. So um, it can be really bad. Um, yeah, and then another thing with um, these fragments also is that it creates um, borders that borders um, human land use or roads. And it creates, um, it's called an edge ecosystem or like an edge habitat. So if you have a forest, but then it's on the edge, even even just even the edge of a grassland, so a for, forest bordering a grassland, there's going to be a different ecosystem dynamic bet- right on the edge between forest and grass. Um, so maybe insects that are in the grassland that can now easily penetrate into the forest habitat and the forest habitat maybe isn't adapted to um, being resilient to the pest from mm-hmm. the grassland. And that's just for with like forest and grassland. Um, if you think of like a forest right next to a um, housing development, then there's going to be a different flow in that ecosystem as well. So, and then, um, so this is a big reason actually that um, people are advocating to have a larger buffer zone between between um, like wild areas and human areas be- because of this sort of edge. And if you have like a buffer zone, which is maybe going from, instead of going like forest directly to like humans, going from like forest to like maybe some grassland and then humans to have just some amount of buffer in between. That reminds me of Over the Hedge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like when that exact, like they were all in hibernation. Yeah. And they were just all sleeping, dreaming, and they woke up and there was Bam. a hedge and a housing development on the other side. That's like one of, I think, seven movies that I own. I don't <laughs> have very many movies, but for some reason I own Over just, the Hedge. It's just a quality <laughs> movie. And we should all watch it. And learn about it. I have it, so we can watch it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's it's similar to that. Um, there's different dynamics with an edge ecosystem and fragmented ecosystem. So I think even uh, when we had um, Mark Kramer on the show, yeah, um, he was talking about how he was working with the city of California to connect habitats um, because it's so important. Yeah. Um, so you can listen to that a little bit more in our episode with Mark Kramer. Yeah. I really wish Megafauna did still exist so we could be, like, driving down the freeway and see, like... A giant sloth. A giant <laughs> sloth, like, galloping underneath. No, instead of, like, a bridge being, like, open and you can't cross the freeway, it'll be like, <laughs> oh, sorry, I was late. There was a giant sloth, like, <laughs> crossing the road. <laughs> Like, instead of a ship going under, yeah. it's like... <laughs> instead of the bridge being up, yeah. Like the, like the, the I-5 bridge, bridge, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> that also reminds me of, like, the ecology lab that we're doing right mm-hmm. now, where we experiment with where animals feed. And so we put food in the for- forest and then on the edge of the forest, and then out in a field. Did you do that? that no. Lab? Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Um, Mine was online, so we did, like, online simulated labs. Oh, okay. Um, and with this lab, we saw that um, a lot of animals didn't feed in the edge of the forest, 
forest or in the field. Um, so there weren't there wasn't a lot of food missing, but almost all the food was missing inside the forest. So that's where oh. I guess they're more comfortable. Maybe mm-hmm. they you know they have less or they have more hiding spots from predators and such. So if we're decreasing the amount of forest, then we're decreasing the feeding spaces for those animals as well. Cool. Um, Are the animals going to be okay? What other endangered species are there? Oh, no. Let me tell you about the animals (laughs) that aren't going to be okay. Uh Um, So I've got a brief list of um, what are called charismatic megafauna which is just a fancy word, uh, meaning animals that are cute and attractive and that you care about. That way you mm-hmm. will protect them. Like the spokes. Yeah, yeah. like a animals. spokes animal. Yeah, exactly. So there's, um, I just have a few. There's the leopard, orangutan, elephants, and sharks. Um, so leopards, of course, are hunted for their fur. And sharks are so cute. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you just want to cuddle up nice one. Um, So leopards, um, about 50 years ago, there were 700,000 leopards, and today they're closer to only 50,000. What? Yeah. And, of course, that's hunted for their uh, fur, which are made into coats and blankets and rugs. Um, There are, of course, the orangutans, which we've touched on in past episodes. Um, So they live in tropical rainforests, and um, their habitats are being uh, torn down in room for agriculture. Mostly palm oil trees. So don't eat palm oil. Yes. Don't kill orangutans. Do it. (laughs) Um, So... I'm. S- I didn't know there was just six thousand wild orangutans left. Yeah, and what? Out of that, one thousand are being killed each year. So if there's only six thousand left, one thousand each year, we only got six years to save the orangutans. So get on it, guys. Start checking your ingredients list. Yeah, palm oil's called other things too. So just be careful. Just make everything at home. Um, just don't go just outside. <laughs> <laughs> just stay, stay in your little box filled with foam where nothing can hurt you. Foam? <laughs> foam isn't recyclable. <laughs> uh, your, your sponge foam made from, oh, from sustainably <laughs> farmed sponges. <laughs> uh, okay, there are also uh, rhinos are incredibly endangered and they are poached for their um, horns. Um, the amount of rhino poaching has doubled more than, um, has more than doubled since 2010 in South Africa. Um, about one rhino is shot in Africa every, uh, nine and a half hours. Whoa. Um, That's wild. Yes. And they're, um, hunted for their horns, which are wrongly thought to be able to cure cancer and fevers. Um, and their horns can sell for about $30,000 per pound. Oh, well, in that case. <laughs> um, and the last male white rhino oh, died in right. uh, 2018. I remember that. And you kind of need the males. Long so there, is that in the wild or 
like at all. That's in the that's in the wild. That's in the last male. So I think They're unless they zero. have some like cryo preserved. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So cross that off the list. They're gone. <laughs> Um, and then, of course, elephants um, have been hunted for their tusks. Um, if you've ever heard of something made out of ivory, ivory is um, harvested from elephant tusks. Um, there are a total of about 300,000 African elephants left, um, and about 400,000 are killed each year. Uh, and then, of course, sharks, about 10 million sharks are killed each year. 100 million. Oh, yeah, sorry, 100 million are killed each year to be made um, into shark fin soup, which is a Chinese delicacy. Um, This trade takes the form of shark finning, which is where fishermen just cut off the fins of the shark and then toss them into the ocean. They don't even have the, like, humanity or compassion to, like, put it out of its misery. They'll literally just throw it back into the ocean and let it drown because... Sharks need to be able to smooth, uh, swim and to breathe. So, so they just slowly drown to death. I've That's seen I've seen the videos of them cutting off the fins and throwing yeah. them back, yeah. and the videos of the just the like huge a rooftop, fish yeah, a oh, rooftop yeah. of just like all the fins. And yeah. yeah, it's not great. And then it's like if you want each fin came from a shark, so. Eh, who yeah. cares? <laughs> Why? No, that was a transition. Why should we care? Oh, oh. this is important. Oh. Well, I want to touch more on the charismatic megafauna um, really quick. So, like we were saying, that they're, like, cute animals that are, like, the human-elected person. Um, and they're usually, like, cute, cute have, have symbolic value or, like, are widely popular. Um, and they're often used by like conservation groups you know to be like hey remember the pandas like got to keep the pandas safe um so they'll usually like tie up to pick one and kind of focus on that um but of course it's not just um like the ones that we think are cute or the ones that conservation groups are picking we as humans have a tendency to like and prefer animals um that are you know cute exotic um interesting um but creatures and species that are ugly or (laughs) scary like maybe snakes spiders or bugs um all of those species are also equally important and people don't really give them as much research or time or money in supporting um these other species so um that's just something else to think about with extinction is that like all these other maybe ugly species are going extinct but um they're really helpful also yeah and like if you think about it the majority of like biological animals that exist are not like are not the big big ones that we think of they're small um invertebrates and but no one cares about uh all the bugs that are going extinct because one people don't like bugs and two no one ever sees them or interacts with them but um a lot of animals that are going extinct are like small and not what you think of when you think of animals. Yeah. Um, so why is this so important? Yeah, so why... Yeah, why? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, just kind of all, like, this kind of brings back together everything that we've been talking about so far. Um, we were saying that 
this extinction rate is been really just different. It's human caused. Um, and another thing is that it's happening way faster than normal because in just like past history, even without just big mass extinction rates, there are is just like a gradual extinction rate of species. Um, some like mammals maybe stick around a little bit longer than other species. Um, each like type of animal has a different kind of like background extinction rate. Um, but our current rate of species extinction is now more than a hundred times the normal rate. Um, and it's caused by humans. Um, like, um, at the beginning when we talked about the different periods, like those are hundreds of millions of years apart. Yeah. So these mass extinctions are happening in that ginormous geological time scale. So to the point Emma's making, like, that's why this is so important is because we are doing it in literally hundreds of years, not hundreds of millions. Yeah. And I think that's, like, a key concept to grasp in this episode. Yeah, because extinction is definitely, like, normal and in a sense, but, like, this rate of change is, like, not normal. Um and I think the just kind of very average, because all, all different kinds of species are different, but the most, like, just average baseline is that the background extinction rate would have one species lost every 200 years. Um, but in the past couple hundred years, we have seen, um, this was this is even from an article from a little, a while ago, too. We have seen 89 mammalian extinctions and almost, uh, which is 45 times higher than the usual rate. And then, um, um, almost 200 mammal species are listed as critically endangered. Um, oh. And then, of course, also, we're still, just, even though we've, like, conquered, like, a third to a half of the land cover of the planet, we're still discovering new species every day. Um, so the thing is, is we we don't know of the species we haven't discovered yet of the ones that are going extinct so um if we haven't discovered yet we can't like calculate that we've killed it that we've killed it so um no the the current rates could be a lot greater than what we know right now so and then that's really terrible because then if that species secreted some enzyme that would like cure cancer or something like Mm -hmm. we would never know and then now it's already gone so um that's high hoping but yeah um and then and the crucial thing about this rate of change also is that um, this land use change um, and carbon dioxide change also for the creatures that need that, um, this change is happening so fast that it gives no time for these organisms to adapt. Usually adaptation takes thousands of years, <laughs> like very slowly, slow process over like thousands of years. Um, so so then they're able to like find a new like food source and like or find a new tree to live in but these things are happening way too fast that we don't have they don't have time to adapt so um so yeah so this is fast and it's scary um yeah that's definitely something we forgot to mention at the beginning was like the time scale of those of the past big five extinctions were gargantuan compared to now. So just Is that a technical term? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so just remember this what Emma's saying. 
because it's the and I key I kind of mentioned this just with like you know if there's some species out there that we don't know how beneficial they are to us um, but the thing is is that all nature is beneficial to us you mm-hmm. and every single person benefits from nature whether you like nature or not or whether you go outside or not like everything mm-hmm. that we have is because of nature um, and we need it to survive and we have finite resources so um, yeah um, just I'm just going to briefly just talk quickly just mention ecosystem services I think I've mentioned them in other episodes mm-hmm. um, but it's just something to think about when we're thinking about um, animals going extinct is that um, animals and nature like provide things to us for free and these are called ecosystem services we just go out and hunt them mm-hmm. or pick them and we get those benefits um, and we get the benefits from like air from clean air from trees and we get all of this for free so um, it, they're just called ecosystem services there's ones that are there's different kinds there's ones that like directly are products from the ecosystem like maybe fish or hunting or um, berries things that um, regulate the ecosystem like water purification um, there's a, other ones like that support the regulators like nutrient cycling and photosynthesis um, and then there's also uh, we, we get a um, we have like non-material benefits we also gain from the ecosystem that are also important like um, recreation especially in the Pacific Northwest like we love to go outside and go hiking and stuff and that is something that we gain from having access to nature um, and even things like pets are technically within like ecosystem services because we have this affinity with nature, which is why we have pets. And so even oh, yeah, I about yeah, that. that's really cute. So yeah. you, we think and we're sad. so beyond that, like beyond caring about nature. But if you have a pet, like you are attuned with nature in some regard. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, I want to go back to the provisioning is it provisioning or provision yeah, provisioning services um one of them is medicine and like we were talking about earlier like everyone benefits from nature um and we've been largely focusing on animals but of course there are also plants that are going extinct and so when you think of where medicine comes from it comes from plants um and so what if there's a plant out there that can cure some like some rare disease or some rare form of cancer and something and it goes extinct just food for thought yeah and all of our yeah all of our medicine is from like plants or like by like synthesized from chemicals that are in plants yeah so. i don't know about modern modern medicine maybe they do their own thing but yeah definitely a lot of point. it is yeah there is okay. like natural pathy which like uses plants to like soothe aches and pains but a lot of like I don't really know medicine that much but I do know that a lot of a lot of like modern medicine is actually based from chemicals and plants there you go so protect the plants so you can protect the medicine so you can protect your health it's all connected um so let's talk about organizations are keeping record of these extinctions um there is something called the IUCN Red List. Um, that stands for International Union of Conservation of 
nature's red list of threatened species. <laughs> Big one. <laughs> this is <Yeah>. a mouthful. <laughs> uh, it was established in 1964. It's the world's most comprehensive information source on the global conservation status of animals, fungus, and plant species. Oh, yeah. Don't forget the fungus. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a critical indicator of the health of the world's biodiversity, um, and it's used to inform and catalyze action for biodiversity conservation and policy change, which is critical to protecting the natural resources that we need to survive. Um, it provides information about range, population size, habitat and ecology, um, use f- and trade threats, and conservation actions that will help inform necessary conservation decisions. Um, it's used by wildlife departments, conservation-related um, non-governmental organizations, natural resource planners, and uh, education organizations. Um, it has listed more than thirty thousand species um, of currently threatened with that are currently threatened with extinction. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah, so it does a lot. Um, so it, like I said, it focuses a lot on biodiversity as well. And that's important because ecosystems, um, it's important in ecosystems because it prevents extinction of species, allowing organisms to adapt to changes in the environment and provides a wide range of materials and food for survival. Uh, each organism within an ecosystem serves important functions that help balance the Earth's ecology and biodiversity which provides vast genetic pools and different habitats, which preserve the existence of life on Earth. Wow. Uh, so that's pretty much called a niche uh, of a species, um, which each species has a serves an important function, um, and that usually also includes um, also includes like where a species can <coughs> live. So there's usually a specific area where an organism is physically able to inhabit based on its um, like temperature and moisture requirements and then there's also the role or function that that species has in an ecosystem and then um, a species also has a you know community dynamic or interrelationship within um, with other biotic species and um, with abiotic factors like um, water and plants um not plants. Plants are biotic, <laughs> like water in the atmosphere. Um, so this biodiversity doesn't only mean that there are lots of species, but that there are many species that overlap multiple niches. So an, an organism fills a niche, and that niche needs to be filled for a healthy ecosystem. Um, so if there's high biodiversity, that means there's lots of overlap of these niches, so this overlap is crucial in forming the resilience of an ecosystem because if one species like gets a disease and dies and it's just totally wiped out and none of them can handle it, um, then the species that died, it can't fulfill its role anymore. But if there's overlap, then other species can fill in its role and then the ecosystem will um, continue as normal. But in ecosystems with low biodiversity, there are less species to fill in those roles. So if one creature is lost, that role will not be filled, um, which can drastically alter the trophic balance of the entire ecosystem. 
And a really good example of this, which we will actually be talking about more next week, is um, with wolves. Because wolves, as a top predator, if they are wiped out and if they're not in that ecosystem, it can just totally mess up the whole um, balance. Their role is not filled, and it just messes up the entire um, balance of that ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, there's so there's a lot of biodiversity in um, the tropical rainforest in the Amazon rainforest. Um, it's I think has like one of the highest biodiversity in the world, or maybe the highest. Um, and I thought this was like just crazy. I had to look up this fact to make sure it was true because I couldn't believe it. So 50% of the entire world's animals and plants Mm -hmm. exist in rainforests. Half of it. Rainforests alone. Wow. And we're just bulldozing them down. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Do you want to talk about biodiversity hotspots? Do you want me to talk about it? Uh, you can talk about it if you want to. Okay. Um, so a biodiversity hotspot is a biogeographic region that is both a significant reservoir of biodiversity and is uh, and it is threatened with destruction. The term biodiversity hotspot specifically refers to 25%, 25 biologically uh, rich areas around the world that have lost at least 70% of their original habitats. Um, the habitat in these biodiversity hotspots amount to ju- amount to just 1.4% of the land use surface of Earth, yet supports 60% of the world's plant, bird, mammal, reptile, and amphibian species. Ooh, crazy. Jeez. So I thought that, like, the Amazon rainforest is a biodiversity hotspot, but, like, the center of the Amazon rainforest isn't threatened with destruction currently so it's not technically like biodiversity hotspot but like the edges are mm. oh yeah huh. edge ecosystems um yeah that's just crazy like one percent of land 1.4 percent of land supports nearly 60 percent similar with rainforest like is 50 percent of everything i remember that's we talked about that during the um amazon episode mm-hmm. where like they're they're burning them for to for their own agricultural use because that's what benefits them directly. If they leave the fo- the rainforest thriving, then it's benefiting the whole globe, but like what do they get out of it? Yeah. They don't realize they, they don't go- right. Like yeah. they're not it's not like all every other country's paying them. Thanks for the clean air, like so right. thanks for the biodiversity. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Did and then I don't think we defined exactly what biodiversity means did we not mm, we just kind of jumped into um it. do you want like a i want n- no like, like just like what would you i mean we kind of talked about it earlier like just a uh variety of species yeah um so in an ecosystem yeah and genes um I, I know a biodiversity hotspot has a very specific that has the specific definition of um hosts oh um, host has to. Ugh. <laughs> it's it just says it's a significant reservoir of biodiversity and is threatened. But um, okay, oh, yeah. Man. So the way that like I think about biodiversity is like so if you have a specific part of land like a 
10 by 10 meter or something, <laughs> 100 by 100 meter. Uh-huh. In that specific part, you're going to be able to find a whole bunch of different species. That's how I think about it. Yeah. Okay. I'm sure there's like high levels of biodiversity could be classified as something specifically, but I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, so another group that uh, I thought was interesting with um, thinking about extinction and conservation um, is that this new group that's coming out that came out in 2018 because of this um, big threat that we have that humans are the cause of the sixth mass, mass extinction and from what we've like talked about like yes the humans going are going extinct but it's the thing is that why humans really care about it is because like we will be impacted if all of these animals go extinct it's going to change our ecosystem services it's going to provide less products for us to survive um so this group called the Extinction Rebellion came out in 2018, started in UK, um, and it's a global environmental movement group, um, and they hold nonviolent civil disobedience plays to advocate for climate action and to make governments aware of issues like climate change, biodiversity loss, and the risk of ecological and societal collapse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we saw um, their group at the climate strike, and they were dressed um, in this oh, like wow. these All bright red. red cloaks and veils, and their cloak. Their faces were painted white, and they were like moving like very, like kind of like dancing gracefully, but like very mm-hmm. eerily. It was very like uh, I don't know, just eerie eerie yeah yeah, and dramatic and kind of scary (laughs) yeah they so there's i think that specific group that where they they're like a uh who dresses up in all red they're within the extinction rebellion and they're called the extinction brigade i think oh okay um they are within the group though um but they this other this group they they do like more um art demonstrations um and they (laughs) well they they're all working together so some some people do art demonstrations some people do sit-ins some sometimes it's paired at the same time they're at the same events um like doing the same things um and this group that does these like eerie slow walks they'll do like funeral processions for Mm. animals that have like gone extinct or even for like uh, humans in general, like it, like societal collapse, imminent societal collapse from um, ecological collapse. So they are like they do like displays of like a funeral procession. Yeah, I actually, it, yeah. I remember they had this like really like sorrowful look on their face. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I was like, is everything okay? What's yeah, going on? it's very interesting. No, yeah. it's not okay. It's not. Um, that- this group has been um, pretty active in the last couple years. They do nonviolent displays where they sit in and bridges but um they also do mass um arrests violent not violent they do like intentional they intentionally get themselves like arrested um in a sense to like advocate for um for biodiversity loss and climate Mm -hmm. change so um, to make governments like really aware of this it's really um similar to like the occupy movements um Mm -hmm. that they did like around wall street and things like that um and then their logo is an hourglass um to serve as a warning that time is running out to save many species 
the when you guys were talking about the art pieces installations or like mm-hmm. movements there's a viral video where somebody's in like a square and they pan to the right and there's a couple swing dancing and then they pan to the left and there's there's kids on their knees and they're sobbing like they're crying really dramatically and the sign is like um a state like a safe space to to sob for the the state of our climate oh my god and they're like they're like crying over the wait why are they swing dancing that's two separate things that are happening in this square stage so there's some people having fun and dancing and then yeah so they're not together i was just saying that's just what's in the video so i think like we should totally have that where it's like are you are you so sad about the state of our climate care? Come come over here and we'll all cr- like cry about it together. Okay, so might as well do that together. Like, like imagine eat a lot of ice cream and stuff. And yeah, imagine if <laughs> you were great. just walking around campus <laughs> and there was just a group of kids, like just <laughs> so sad. I don't know. I think it'd be funny, but that just reminded yeah. me of that. So um. What what will come of us? Yeah. Um, that This last little bit is just kind of like, I don't know, to get some discussion going of like, what do you, what do you guys think is going to happen mm-hmm. to us? So, to, uh, like, humans? to humans. Yeah, do, to homo sapiens. Do we think that this will kill off the human spe- like species? Yeah. I say no. I don't think that climate change or anything that happens with nature will directly be the extinction of humans because I think, you know, we'll probably be living in, like, a desolate wasteland, but we'll still be living because I think we'll have either, like, lab-engineered or we'll be technologically advanced Mm-hmm. to outrun the destruction of yeah. our earth which it's going to be awful for the generations that do live like that but i don't think that it won't be the end it of won't humans. be the end of humanity yeah. yeah i think it'll in the future like drastically change society as we know it and i think it's hard for humans to think of humanity outside of the society that they know and understand so i think in that sense like the humanity that they know will Mm -hmm. no longer exist but uh society will just be like drastically different that we can't even maybe fathom Mm. yeah i also don't think that humans will this i don't think this is why we'll go extinct i think it'll probably be like the sun like a nuclear (laughs) bomb or the coronavirus or not the coronavirus but maybe like a disease or something knock on wood not the coronavirus (laughs) yeah it will be that but yeah i think i think the yeah it'll be like when the earth collides into the sun because of gravitational pull or whatever uh yeah it'll eventually release a higher we learned this in my one of my classes it'll release a higher amount of luminosity which means it'll higher amount of solar energy which will be enough to evaporate oceans you guys but that's in like another million years so we're good we're fine we'll be across the universe by then (laughs) 
because we'll, we'll, we will finally have interpretive, interpreted the radio frequency that we're now hearing. Wait, okay. I looked it up, and it said that the radio frequency was coming from a red star, but that that star had an Earth-sized planet that <gasps> orbits it. Oh. So maybe that's where we can go. Did you guys know that that planets made noises? <laughs> <laughs> what kind of noises? What did like, they sound like? Like. <laughs> oh wow! And like That's each beautiful. planet has a different song. Oh what? Aww, but we just yeah. <laughs> we just can't hear it because We're of the vacuum of Wait, space. Wait, no, I did hear that. I saw it on like this completely like non credible meme, but it said that like the frequency is very low. And, like, you know how um, uh, monks will make that ohm, like, mm-hmm. hum? <laughs> like, they compared it to that. I don't know. Is that is that cultural appropriation? I don't know. I'm going to. But they're planets. <laughs> so. Yeah. But anyways. Planet appropriation. <laughs> so, basically, just don't let this get you down. This was a pretty heavy episode about the death yeah. of all species. But that's knowledge humans will prevail yes and then just the fact that now you're equipped with the knowledge you can take action yes knowledge is power yeah it can help promote conservation efforts and do your part for your community and your nature yes um so to learn more make sure to follow us on instagram environmental pod facebook environmental and we are available on nine streaming platforms whoa and we are up to 2,000 streams. So thank you so much to everybody who has streamed using said platforms and tuned in and listened. We appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. So we'll be back next week with the episode about the wolves. With special guests. Yes. So tune in next week at the same time. And we will... See you next week. And goodbye.